The following podcast is sponsored by the new Hood College Gear Shop. The Gear Shop replaces the old Hood College bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just the place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweaters and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The Gear Shop has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The Gear Shop has your back. Need a last-minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll have plenty of options. What I'm saying is, the Hood College Gear Shop has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and blazer-branded clothing needs. So next time you're in wit, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Chris Nally, and the name of this podcast, All About the Action, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood-branded merch. But listen to the show first. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to All About That Action. I'm your host, Chris Nally. A lot of great games went on this week. The NFL wrapped up week six, so we'll go over some scores from this past week in the NFL, as well as looking at the championship series in both the American League and National League in baseball. The Phillies and the Diamondbacks have been playing a great series so far, and it doesn't look to slow down whatsoever. The Rangers continue to be one of the hottest teams in baseball, as they have yet to lose a game this postseason. As for the Houston Astros being down 0-2 after losing your first two games at home, puts you in a little bit of a difficult spot, but we'll get into all of that later. We'll do Chris's picks as usual, and then at the very end, I'll go over the IPAs of this week. So, let's get right into it. On Thursday night, the Kansas City Chiefs took on the Denver Broncos as they beat the Broncos 19-8. The Kansas City Taylor Swifts, oh wait, I'm sorry. The Kansas City Chiefs have not looked great this year, but that's what good teams do. Good teams find a way to win. The Chiefs are 5-1 with their only loss coming to another team that's 5-1. So, while they may not be playing like world beaters, as usual, they are finding ways to win tight games. The Ravens and the Titans traveled across the pond and played at 9am in London on Sunday morning. I know most football fans love it and their wives hate it, but 9am football on Sunday, I could get used to. It looked at first like the Ravens were going to run away with this game early, but a couple mistakes let the Titans back into it and kind of gave us a nail-biter closer to the end. The Ravens won 24-16 as the Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill goes down with an injury late and defeats their comeback hopes. The next game on the schedule on Sunday was the Washington Commanders versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Commanders looked... The Commanders did not play their best football. That is a very true statement, and I will not back off of that. But somehow the Falcons played a worse game, giving away the ball three times as their quarterback Desmond Ritter threw three interceptions, one in the end zone, and one to seal the game. Commanders didn't play well, but were able to capitalize on good field position and some great special teams play. Games like this show you the difference between being a winning team and a losing team in the NFL, and how good teams are able to pull out games not having their best days quite often like the Kansas City Chiefs do. Now, don't go yelling and say I'm comparing them to the Chiefs. It's just more the mindset that you don't always have your best day, Like, they were beaten in first down and total yards by the Falcons, but they still won. They played defense when it mattered. The offense was able to understand when they got the ball inside of the 20-yard line. They needed a score and not a field goal. It's little things like this that go a long way in winning games. The upset of the week came from the Windy City as the Cleveland Browns bested the 49ers 19-17. I hope no one had them in a pick'em league 
or anybody put any money on the 49ers to win this week because that would be heartbreaking. A late missed field goal that would have put them up 20-19 to was the nail in the coffin for the 49ers this week. On top of losing this game that they were very heavily expected to win, they suffered injuries to three crucial players, running back Christian McCaffrey, left tackle Trent Williams, and wide receiver Debo Samuel. So if you have any of those guys on your fantasy lineups, make sure to check out how serious these are. The next game of the week was the Texans versus the Saints as the Texans came out on top 20-13. to 13. Rookie C.J. Stroud continues to be one of the best stories in the NFL as his great play continues leading the Texans, who were expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, to a 3-3 three and three record. On the other hand, I really thought the Saints would turn it around with Derek Carr at the helm, but instead, they're pretty average. Not bad, just average. The next game on the slate was the Dolphins and the Panthers. Now, everyone expected the Dolphins to blow the Panthers out of the water. And newsflash, they did. But it became a little interesting early in the game as the Panthers went up two scores. But the Dolphins remained cool and ended up besting the Panthers 42-21. to The Panthers fall to 0-6 on the year. As many are questioning if Bryce Young has the skill level to compete at the NFL level consistently week in and week out. The Bengals beat the Seahawks 17-13. to This is yet again another example of a team getting hot at the right time. The Bengals struggled early in the year to get anything going, but they've won some ugly games the last couple weeks, and that's all it takes. Getting wins on the board is what's most important for the teams. They need momentum to start building, and then momentum turns into better play, in my opinion at least. Quarterback Joe Burrow had another lackluster day, but it was enough to lead the Bengals to a victory. He threw for 185 passing yards and had two touchdowns to go along with an interception. Their run game did nothing as they amounted 46 total yards on the ground. The more I look through this slate from this week, it seems like there was a lot of ugly games. The Vikings took on the Bears and bested them 19-13. The Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL and continue to prove it. I know, I know, I know. I can't say too much about them considering they beat my favorite team. But guess what? They stink. They stink. They stink. They stink. The Vikings should have demolished them. They are a much better team than being 2-4. and four. I know Justin Jefferson is out, trust me, he's on my fantasy team, it sucks. But, 2-4 and four for this team is unacceptable. I say it every week, I keep thinking they're going to right the ship, I keep thinking they're going to play better, they don't. It's crazy, they're driving me up a wall. I'm not even a Vikings fan, but they have such a great collection of talent that there's no reason for them to be this bad. The Jaguars beat the Colts 37-20 to as Trevor Lawrence played a great game. The Colts' struggles continue after... The injury to rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson, who will now miss the entire year. I know we talked about it on the last podcast for him at least being out four weeks and them worrying about his dependability. But now he's done for the year. It's a backup for the rest of the year. That stinks. The Colts didn't have a chance to be a phenomenal team, but they at least had a chance to develop this young quarterback. Now, with an injury to his throwing shoulder, he may take a couple steps back. I'm no doctor, but not playing a sport for a long amount of time may hurt your development a little bit. I know he's a professional athlete. I know he's around the best trainers in the game. I know he is probably much more well-off than most of us could be, but not playing for a full year sets him back a little bit, and they were probably hoping to build solid gains from this year to next year in order to move to being a playoff team. The Raiders beat the Patriots 21-17. to The Patriots stink. 
I don't care what anyone says. I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to be great. We're too far in now. They stink. They can't win a game. They might just need to clear house. And that sucks when you have one of the most legendary coaches of all time. You don't want to run Bill Belichick out of town because guess what? He'll find the job. He'll go somewhere else. He'll probably do great. But you can't afford to have a team that just stinks. My issue is it's not just one thing. Quarterbacking's bad. Defense is bad. Run game is bad. Play calling's bad. Special teams is bad. You can't just pinpoint it down on one thing and say, oh, if the quarterback was playing better, they'd probably have a better record. No, they've given up like 40 points in some games or 30 points. Mac Jones throws a ton of interceptions. It's almost just weird seeing the Patriots be such a bad team again. But hey, that's the circle of life in the NFL, I guess. The Rams bested the Cardinals 26-9, as the Rams have taken great strides this year compared to last year. At 3-3, three and three, they look poised to maybe get some things clicking and going in the right direction and make another run as a wild card team in the playoffs. They have a great young core of wide receivers and a reliable quarterback in Matt Stafford. I love Sean McVay as a head coach. I think he brings a ton to the table. I think it would be hard for the Rams to not win some more games this year and put themselves in a position to maybe go on a little bit of a playoff run. The Detroit Lions continued their dominance over the NFL. Yeah, you heard me right. How many times have we said that in the last 100 years? Probably never. But the Lions are now at 5-1 after beating the Bucks 20-6. Once again, not a pretty game, but good teams find a way to win, and when your defense only gives up 6 points in the NFL... For me, that's like the equivalent of a goalkeeper giving up one goal in soccer or a pitcher in baseball giving up two runs in a game. You probably have a really good chance to win, but hey, what do I know? Nothing too substantial, but they gave me a mic, so I figured I'd at least make my opinions known. I know I've said it a few times today, but good teams find a way to win. The Lions had a very good chance of winning this game, but guess what? They did. They did what they had to. They played good football. It wasn't their best game, but hey, at the end of the day, they're 5-1 and one, and one of the best teams in the NFL, so I can't really say too much about them. This game next made me the happiest man ever on Sunday. The Eagles lost to the Jets 20-14. to 14. Oh, it's a beautiful thing when the Eagles lose on a Sunday, folks. This franchise, this cocky franchise has gotten too big for their britches. I love seeing them fall especially to a team like the Jets, who they should have gone in and stomped. They made a couple costly decisions late, especially with an interception where they should not have been throwing the ball that put the Jets in the position to win this game. Now, even though I voiced my own personal dislike for the team, I feel as though the Eagles are still one of the best teams in the NFL. They will probably play in the Super Bowl, and hey, you're allowed to be cocky when you're good, but doesn't mean I can't like to see people get a bit of a reality check, right? In debatably the ugliest game of the week, the New York Giants took on the Buffalo Bills. If I told you the Giants did not score a single touchdown in this game and almost won it, what would you have said at the beginning of the week? I'm crazy, right? But guess what? The Bills beat the Giants 14-9 on a fourth quarter touchdown pass by Josh Allen. Just an all-around ugly game. No one could get anything going. The Giants made some pretty bad play calling at a couple points that they might have been able to steal one from the Bills. Josh Allen struggled. Stephon Diggs had a great game, however. But the Bills need to figure it out quickly, or they could be in for a long season, or more importantly, another early exit in the playoffs. Here's the weird thing about this game. 
the NFL either really thought people would take the gambling line of the Bills at minus 14 and a half, which means the Bills have to win by more than two touchdowns, which I think is a little high. But guess what? I thought it would happen. The Giants had a backup quarterback, and they have played like crap all year long. The Bills have one of the best offenses and one of the best defenses in the NFL. But somehow, in a primetime game, against a backup quarterback they only won by five so to all you betters out there of giants plus 14 and a half i hope you guys had a great time watching your bet cash and i hope you brought home a boatload of money and last but not least on monday night football the cowboys took on the chargers where they won by a score of 20 to 17. the cowboys played a pretty good game and i have no clue of what to make of the cowboys folks sometimes they play like the best team in the nfl Sometimes it looks like they've never touched a football before, and sometimes they show up in prime time and play one of the best games of the year against a really good team in the San Diego Chargers. They sent the fans home sad, especially that one little lady. If you don't know my reference, go look up the little lady on Twitter. She's a Chargers fan. She was going absolutely nuts. It was pretty funny. Well, that wraps up the NFL recap of the week. Let's hop into a quick recap of some playoff baseball. Both of the championship series in Major League Baseball are underway. In the American League Championship Series, the Astros are taking on the Rangers, while in the National League, the Phillies are taking on the Diamondbacks. As of Wednesday, the series was 2-1, with the Rangers leading the series 2-1. However, this would change on Wednesday as the Astros would best the Rangers 8-5. On Thursday, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks would play with the Phillies leading the series 2-0 over the Phillies. The Diamondbacks would win this game and make the series 2-1. The Astros also took on the Rangers on Thursday night as well, besting them 10-3 to make it a 2-2 series. On Friday, both of these teams would play again, with the Astros winning one of the craziest games of the postseason, 5-4 on Jose Altuve's three-run home run in the top of the ninth put them one game away from making it to the World Series. The Diamondbacks would also tie the series on Friday 6-5 as it wasn't a great game, but the Diamondbacks' ability to come back late and find runs when it really mattered paid off greatly for them in the long run. On Saturday, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks played again. The Phillies had a very typical performance as they came out and beat the Diamondbacks 6-1 to put themselves one game away from making it to the World Series. Zach Wheeler threw a great game, and while I hate saying things like this, he continues to cement himself as one of the best postseason starting pitchers of all time. Crazy to think that we're watching someone like that do their thing right in front of our own eyes. And on Sunday night, the Houston Astros had a chance to go to the World Series, playing the Rangers at 8.05. They lost this game 9-2 as the Rangers forced a game 7 against the Astros, making this one of the most entertaining series of the postseason so far. Tonight on Monday, 10-23, the Astros will take on the Rangers at 8.03 while the Phillies and the Diamondbacks play at 5.07. Both series have a chance to send a team to the World Series tonight, with the Phillies being up 3-2 over the Diamondbacks and the Astros and the Rangers being tied at 3-3 in a best-of-seven series. In all likelihood, I think the Astros return to the World Series for the fourth straight year. However, I think the Phillies will probably win the other series. The Diamondbacks are too young and don't know what's coming, and Philly is one of the best postseason teams in the league. The Diamondbacks will send out 
as their starter for this winner-go-home game, as the Phillies will send out Aaron Nola, who has been quite dominant this postseason. In the other series, the Astros will send out Christian Javier, who has been almost unhittable this postseason. And the Rangers, surprisingly, will send out the veteran Max Scherzer, who has really struggled so far in his one postseason start giving up five runs over four innings to the Astros the last time he took the mound. I know I've already said something along the lines of this, but I think it's quite possible we see a rematch of last year's World Series. And if I had to guess, we will be seeing the same exact outcome as last year with the Houston Astros beating the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series for the second straight year. This could become a running theme. I think both of these teams are some of the better postseason teams in all of the sport. The Astros are just built for success overall, and the Phillies always play best when the bright lights are on. Hard to beat two teams who always find a way to win, but unfortunately only one can win. Alright, now what you all have been waiting for, Chris's picks. I know, it's hard making it to the last section of the podcast to have to listen to this. Or, I don't know, maybe you listen to it for the beer. Who knows, but let's get right into it. Alright. First pick of the evening, I love the Houston Astros at minus 125. There was this exact pitching matchup earlier in the series with Javier taking on Scherzer, and Javier dominated the game. It wasn't even close. The Astros have a great chance of going back to the World Series and making their case to repeat as the world champions of baseball. In the Diamondbacks and Phillies game, I really like the over of 8. This series has been a high-scoring series no matter what with, I think, the lowest scoring game coming at three, and that was kind of a fluke. The only other game to go under eight runs in this series, I believe, was Saturday night with two of the best starting pitchers on the mound, and they still scored seven runs. I think the over of eight should hit easily and should bring you in a little bit of cash. The Phillies' offense is one of the best in baseball. They could cover most of these overs by themselves if they get hot at the right time. The over in the last game that Merrill Kelly pitched in this series was 9. I think the Phillies scored 10 runs by themselves. There's a good chance that the bats wake up again, they go to the World Series, they hit the over, and you get some money in your pocket. And finally, would it really be not gambling advice without a little bit of Monday Night Football action to go along with it? Alright, I love Brock Purdy at over one and a half touchdown passes thrown. The Vikings defense has been terrible, and the 49ers offense when all the gears are in unison with one another are unstoppable. Purdy has thrown for multiple touchdowns quite a few times this year. At minus 105, it's a great value play. So, this is my last pick of the week. Last but not least, I know some of you are most excited for this out of any of it, but it's time for the IPA beers of the week. The first one on my list this week is a beer I actually drank for the first time last night. I had this beer at a restaurant and I got it because the name of it made me laugh. It's from Jailbreak Brewing Company in Maryland, so I like it a little bit even more than I would a typical beer because I love supporting local stuff. But the first beer of the week is called Feed the Monkey. I actually really enjoyed it. It was super light as almost drinking a light beer. It had a little bit of taste of banana to it. It's a Hefeweizen, 5.6 ABV. It was really nice for just sitting at a bar, taking a sip, eating some dinner, not feeling super filled up by the beer. You can eat a lot. You can drink a couple of these, not really feel it too much. Had really, really, really good taste. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. You might have to check it out. The second one on my list this week is Haze for Days by Crooked Crab Brewing Company. Try saying that five times fast. 6.2 ABV and a 30 IBU. 
It was a really good beer. Juicy and hazy IPAs are all the rage these days on the market, but this beer tries to combine both of them. I liked it a lot, not as much as the Feed the Monkey. It has a little bit heavier feel to it, so you can't drink too many of them without realizing you've had a couple beers. But definitely was worth it for me. All right, y'all. That just about wraps us up for the week. I want to thank everyone for listening, and I hope you guys tune in next time. Until then, I'm your host, Chris Nally, and you've been listening to All About the Action.